Gibbons and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I mean, I'm never going to sit here and pretend like I'm the world's biggest soccer fan because I'm not. I don't know how you don't get caught up in a moment like that. I know. Even, even if you don't have a rooting interest, and it's, I don't. It's just so easy to get sucked in yeah. to the drama of a game like that. I mean, I, I don't care. I really don't. I don't care that much about soccer, but when something like that's on, it's impossible to take your eyes off of I, it. Tell me, like, I was talking to my wife about this. She goes, that's on my bucket list to go to a World Cup. I want. She wants to go to a World Cup. Okay. Like, don't you think you'd be, like, wouldn't you want to be there? Like, would you want to go to that event? You talked about Duke, North Carolina, Army, Navy. I, I get it, but Wimbledon was Cup, big on my list. Right, a World Cup match. I'm just not that big of a soccer fan. I know, I know. I'm just not that big of a soccer fan. So I, I feel like it'd be a very expensive trip for a sport that I don't like. Tennis? Low-key, I love tennis. I really enjoy watching tennis. I, I, I'm insanely jealous I can't do it because it just, that's to me, that's, that's incredible. Theater and it's great drama and great athleticism. Soccer, I'm just, but when something like this happens, like a day like today, yeah. to be in that building, to be in that stadium for either one of those games today, man, it's like a once in a lifetime kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, as much as I'm not a big fan of soccer, I don't know how you can't be a fan of a day like today when it comes to soccer. Argentina wins and penalty kicks over the Netherlands. Well, Argentina advances the and Croatia advances. Chances have to knock it off Brazil in penalty kicks. Lionel Messi is uh, two wins away from his first ever World Cup championship. That's going to be something to keep an eye on for sure. Yes. All right, so tonight, um, 6.30 start time. Suns in New Orleans taking on a team that they beat in the playoffs last year, the Pelicans. A team that is right now today in first place in the Western Conference. They're very good. It's going to be part of another, this big week-long test for the Suns. We've seen them, uh, honestly, fail miserably against Dallas, fail miserably against Boston. We expect them to respond against the Celtics. They didn't. So now we're all watching to see what it looks like tonight against a team that really was pesky and gave him troubles last year in the postseason. Now we know Herb Jones isn't going to play. We know Brandon Ingram isn't going to play. We know Jose Alvarado is questionable for tonight's game. So they're missing a few guys. But I think the one thing that we're all going to want to see him do, Gambo, is start this game better tonight. Slow starts have really hurt them. Boy. Especially Book, right? We talked about this yesterday. You know, Book gets off to a slow start like he did against Dallas and like he did against Boston. Everybody else starts pressing a little bit. Leads to those guys having bad games. See Mikael Bridges. So it's very important for Book to get into a little bit of rhythm early. If I'm Monty Williams, I want to, I want to set some easy screens for Book. Maybe get him a shot at the basket. Maybe get him to the free throw line. Not rely on a bunch of, you know, Three-point shots. I want to make sure that I get Book an easy basket or two early in this game. He gets going, maybe everybody else gets going. That's been a theme the last couple of games for sure, that when Book struggles, they all struggle. The slow starts have absolutely buried them. Both of those games, they were out of those games real early because they didn't play well both offensively and defensively. Yeah, especially the slow starts when they're playing good teams. And I want to give credit to Dave King over at Bright Side of the Sun, a a friend of ours, a colleague of ours. He did a lot of research into this one. And, And what conclusions? you want to draw from it, man, it's entirely up to you. But he went back and he looked at last year's playoffs, all the games they played, the 13 games they played against the Pelicans and the Mavs, and then all the games they've played so far this year against winning teams, okay? Teams with a 500 record or better when the Suns played them. And the one thing that almost all of them had in common, almost all of them, if the Suns were losing at the end of the first quarter, they lost the game. If the Suns were winning at the end of the first quarter, 
They won the game. Seriously? And there are very, very few exceptions to that rule. That doesn't usually happen in the NBA. It, it, it nev- the right. NBA is the all, about, all about you can be down 10, 12, you come back, you make a run. Right. Everybody does. Right. It's, it's a league of runs. It's a league of runs. They're gonna, their star player is going to come out for five minutes and you're going to make a run and get back into the, Everybody gets back into games in the NBA. Unless... Unless you're down 25. Yeah, well, that makes it kind so, of So, right, if you get down 25, you're, there's a better chance that 25 is going to turn into 35 than 25 is going to turn into 15. You know why? Because you know you're done at 25. Yeah. You know you're done. Because you, you, we were talking about that yesterday with the start of the third quarter. We were amazed at how bad they were at the start of the third. Well, they were done. They knew they were done. They knew that game was yeah, over. Down they 26. Had, had no chance to win. Then it was 35. Then it was 45 again. When you get down that much, there's a better chance it's going to increase. The lead's going to increase and it's going to decrease. Look, what this means beyond the Obvious beyond the hey, start better and you'll win more basketball games. Okay, what this means beyond that, I don't know. But he did again. I, I tip my cap to Dave because he did a lot of good research on this one. He looked back. Okay, let's start with the playoffs last year. Six games against the Pelicans, seven games against the Mavericks. The only games in which the Suns either won, even though they were trailing in the first quarter. Or lost, even though they were winning after the first quarter, was Game Three at New Orleans, and was Game Five against the Mavs. Game Five against the Mavs, they were down by three points after the first quarter. They won by thirty. That was the infamous um, uh, Luca special game. That was the, that was the, where Devin Booker faked the injury on the floor, right? Um, Every other game in both of those series, if the Suns were winning after the first quarter, they won the game. If they were losing after the first quarter, they lost the game. So far this year, every time they've played a decent team, a 500 team or better, there are only four times where the first quarter, the winner or the loser of the first quarter, didn't ultimately determine who the winner or the loser of the basketball game was. It's an odd stat because it's just, this is the NBA Man, turn the game on in the fourth quarter and watch that. That's what matters. Like a lot of the times the the first quarter does, you know, for me, what I, I always look at the first quarter because I want to see the substitution patterns and just the way Monty's, you know, the, you know, putting out a lineup depending on who's injured, who's not injured. That's the stuff that I care about. But I've never thought of it like that until you just brought that up. Like, okay, look who's winning at the end of the first quarter because most times this year, that's going to ultimately determine whether you win or lose a game. Because you know what? It's it's really not supposed to be like that. No, not at all. A basketball game should not, you know, usually because again, it's 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 runs the three pointer, the three pointer, sure. the great equalizer. Sure. Hey, you're down by twelve. Knock down two three pointers in a row. It's a six point game. That happens a lot. This happens a lot. Get another stop. Get a basket. It's a four-point game. Now, like you can quickly, quickly go on spurts, right? This is the I don't want to say runs. I don't want to say runs. Spurts. Runs are big. Runs are 17 to 2 run. A spurt is 6 nothing, 8 nothing. Spurts are all over the NBA. Every quarter, there's always a spurt. Of course. Somebody gets, scores three or four quick baskets, and that takes a 10 point lead down to two. It happens all the time. Yeah. What you're saying is that, that it's just, it hasn't affected the outcome of these games. The only thing I can think that it might mean for the Suns, and this is really the only thing I can think, and this is something I really noticed the other night against Boston. I think you kind of noticed the same thing too. Booker missed his first four or five shots, and everybody got tight. Everybody got tight, 
right? Mikel's missing shots. DeAndre Eaton's bringing the ball down around his waist. He's getting it stripped from him. Defensively, Torrey Craig was a was a sieve in that game. He was just, he was a turnstile. He was giving up everything. They, Terrible. Book got into foul trouble because he was frustrated. He was missing his shots. It, it's almost like they have a good first quarter. They can relax. Play their game. Everything's fine. You know what? We got off to a decent start. We're okay. We're in this. We're good. We're all right. We're fine. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, and we're, we're okay. They get off to a bad start where they're losing in the fir- first quarter, and they get tight. They get, okay, who's Mikel? Man, we need you tonight. DeAndre, boy, it's better be a big night for you. Devin Booker, he's got to put the cape on. He's got to carry him. I, I just wonder if there's like this sort of emotional feeling of we're up after one, we're in this game, we're doing our things that we like to do, we can relax and be comfortable and just play our game versus losing in the first quarter that just makes everybody clench a little bit tighter the rest of the game because they didn't get off to I a good it. start. I buy it. I, I noticed buy it. it the other night against Boston. I thought they got really tight when Booker missed all those shots. And it might be because Chris Paul hasn't stepped up to be the number two all season long, that they just don't have that, that legitimate number two scorer. They just don't have that guy. And all, all these other teams in the league, you've got Brown, you've got Tatum. Here you've got, um, you know, with New Orleans, man, they got three guys that, that can do it. But you've got Ingram and Zion for sure, one-two punch. So, you know, Dallas is the one rare team that doesn't have the, the second guy right now. It, it's different guys at different times. Last year it was Brunson. But without Brunson, they've had a hard time figuring out who that player is. But, yeah, that's I think that's one of the issues that the Suns don't have a legitimate guy who you say that's definitely your number two scorer right now. I'll tell you what, it's just a weird space right now for Suns fans to be in as we get ready for this New Orleans game tonight, which again starts at 6.30 here on Arizona Sports. We are so accustomed to this team responding to bad moments, right? Responding to bad losses coming out and just playing like their hair's on fire. To watch them not do that against Boston after getting humiliated by Dallas kind of leaves me in a spot of like, I really don't know what to expect tonight out of the Suns. Like, I, I really truly don't. Like, I think. But shouldn't we know what to expect based on how well they played against bad teams and how poorly they played against better teams? This is a good team. Now, the only difference is that they're shorthanded. Yeah. They're going to be without some key players, and that could be to the Suns' benefit. I, I just I don't want to fall into the trap of assuming that every single time the Suns are playing a good team, they're going to struggle. They're, are, we, are we throwing away all the results from the first 23 games of the season when they were the best team in the Western Conference? Does none of that matter anymore? Do we just, you know, it doesn't matter what they did those first 23 games. Right now, they're really struggling against the bad teams, and that's, that's the only thing that matters? I don't know. I, I just, it's a weird spot to be in because normally I'd be certain the Suns would be fine and they'd respond and they'd come out and they'd flex all over New Orleans. I don't have that feeling about tonight. Listen, there's two there's two ways this can go when when we get back on the air next week. Yeah, right. They either go two and zero against New Orleans, zero and two against New Orleans, or they split. You know, if they go two and zero, you're going to feel really good about. Okay, you're back on top in the West. You just showed New Orleans is your big. You know, forget about you know the Celtics game, right? New Orleans is a legitimate threat in the West, and if you win these two games, you'll have another game coming up with them. But that'll be a good sign. If you lose both games, you know you're really going to be pressing to like, okay, let's get this Jay Crowder trade over with. Let's let's change this roster a little bit because you know the Suns are struggling against the better teams in the league. Yeah, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Heading to State Farm Stadium on May 14th with the Strokes. Tickets are on now on sale, but you can win a pair of tickets right now by heading to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Record-wise, the answer is obvious. Considering how the season has gone, who is the best team in the NFC right now?
That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Souls. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show on this Friday. I should mention, uh, normally on Fridays we talk with Steve Kime, general manager of the Cardinals. He was under the weather today. He was not able to join us. So I imagine we'll catch up with Steve next Friday. Um, so, yeah, we were not able. So if you were looking for Steve at 3 o'clock, I should have mentioned that at 3. We were all kind of caught up in the Argentina-Netherlands fun with Argentina winning the right. game. So now Croatia will play Argentina to go to the finals. Okay. Then I believe it's France against England. And I don't know what the other side of the bracket is. It might be Portugal, Morocco. But France plays England. That'll be huge. You got to root for somebody there. (laughs) No, I don't. No? No, I don't have to. There's There's no law that requires me to do that. Wow. Is that what it is? Is that what the... Yeah, so the remaining quarter final games are Morocco, Portugal, and England, France. Right. Okay. You're looking at me like you don't care who wins. Come on, root, root for somebody root, between France well, and root England. Root for Lionel Messi to get his first. Root for something. <laughs> for what it's worth, seventy-five percent of people also say they do not have to actively root for a team to watch a sporting what? event. Seventy-five twenty-five. Split. I cannot watch a sporting. I can't watch anything without rooting for somebody. I'm in the I see two people get out of a car at the same time. I root for one of them to get to the door at Circle K first. <laughs> I have like competition. A, I gotta have a rooting interest. My God, yeah, you are pathological, man. Yes, You're pathological. Yes, Judge Judy's on right now. Somebody's gonna win. You're or rooting lose. for the plaintiff I mean, or the defendant. Root for the yeah. plaintiff or the defendant. You, I'm gonna root for somebody. Choose one of them for yeah. goodness sakes. Yeah. All right. So the Cardinals. This is our last show until the Cardinals take on. The Patriots on Monday, uh, Cardinals pregame coverage will basically knock us off on the air uh, on the Monday. So this is kind of our last chance to talk about not only this game, but the state of the NFC. Yeah. Now, of course, we know we know where the Cardinals place is in the NFC, and we know that at this point, five games left, they're not competing for a playoff spot in the NFC unless something absolutely, completely, totally, utterly miraculous was about to happen. Chances are, good chance are, we're going to be sitting back kind of watching the rest of the NFC playoffs unfold. And going into this weekend of NFL action, trying to figure out who the favorite is in the NFC. I think it's the winner of the Christmas Eve game. Tell me about that. The Eagles and the Cowboys are going to play on Christmas Eve. The Eagles, like if they, if the like the Eagles play this week, uh, where they got the Giants. If they lose that game, and the Cowboys, the Cowboys have a chance to overtake them in the NFC East, and it may come down to the Christmas Eve game. So I think that's it's a two game lead right now. But if you get to Christmas Eve and it's a one game lead, and the Cowboys can win that one, then I think I think that'll be important. I think if you can, because uh, listen, the Vikings have been real good. But I don't think that I would take the Vikings over the Eagles or the Cowboys in a playoff game, no matter where it is, right? No matter where it is to me. And I'm not saying the Vikings aren't good. They clearly are a good football team. But man, I'm just, I'm not going with Kirk Cousins, uh, in a play, in a big playoff game, right? That. So we'll see. I mean, the, the division is, is on the line for Dallas. 
They're a very good defensive team. They've got some injuries right now. They're going to finish that regular season against Philadelphia. Um, well, they got Philly and then Tennessee and Washington. The last two are on the road. So four-game stretch right there, tough one. But I think if Philly can hold on and win the division, I think the Eagles are the favorites. Yeah, I, I think, and we said this when we found out about the Jimmy G injury, if Jimmy G had not gotten hurt, I, like you, would have picked San Francisco Absolutely. to win the NFC. I would have picked I, San Francisco. I, I would have picked them. I, I just, I can't now. Not with Brock Purdy. I can't. I can't bring myself to do it. And like you, there's just something about the Vikings I can't trust. Right. Maybe it's Kirk Cousins. Maybe it's the fact that they've got, I think it's a league-leading nine wins in one-score games. And I think the next closest team has like five or six. Like, like they're just about... All of their wins are by one score. It, it, and but I know that's, that's, but that's good to be in all those close is, games but and win them. You learn how to win. Yeah, but it's also sort of that you play a lot of close games and eventually you're going to get burned. Okay. Right? Like you just, it's sort of an odds thing to me. Like eventually the, the, the law of the, the means, it's all going to kind of, it's going to regress to the mean and everything's going to kind of even out in the end. I don't trust them. I, I don't trust them because of Kirk Cousins. You know what I tell you what? You want me to have a rooting interest? Well, you better believe I'm rooting against the Minnesota Vikings. See you, Patrick Peterson. Right. Oh, there you go. Okay, see, see there you go. You, you, hatred, you it's good. You've you got to have no, hatred in your life. I know. See, I don't have as much as you do. But and you need and I actively to have try it. to avoid it the way you embrace it. But in that situation, mm. that's easy. I will root against the Minnesota Vikings. Embrace the hatred. Yes. All because of Patrick Peterson. Yeah. Um, you tell him. So I think it comes down to, by default... Dallas or Philly, as long as you don't trust Minnesota and you don't think that San Francisco can get in on Thursday. Yeah, because the other teams are what? Seattle, Washington, the Giants, the Bucks. Well, that, okay. Let's spend a minute or two talking about the Bucks. They're not going to, there's no way. Tom Brady. There's no way. Tom Brady. Nope. Everybody's saying that. You can't count out the 2020 Super Bowl champs. No, yes, I can. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I can count them out. You can count them out? Yeah, I can count them out. They're, Tom not, Brady. they're not going to go through that gauntlet and beat. Two good teams in a row. They're not going to do it. First of all, they're going to have to do it on the road. Okay? Yeah. They're going to have to do it on the road. Well, not the they're, first one. They'd be the division champ. Okay, but they would have to get to the Super Bowl yeah, on the road. Yeah, of course. They'd have they're to do that. They're not beating yeah. Philly and Philly or Dallas and Dallas. Heck, they're not beating San Francisco and San Francisco. Um, I So I do not think that Tampa Bay... Can can get there. I just I don't see it. I don't think there's any way. They're just not a good football team. They just they just it is what it is. They're not a good football. No, team. No, and I think Tom Brady at this point. I I don't know what to. We'll talk about this a little later on in the show. I have no idea what to expect with Tom Brady next year. Will he be back with Tampa Bay? Will he be in the league? Will he be out of the league? Will he be you know in San Francisco playing with the Niners? Oh who who knows? Whereas like I say we'll talk about that later in the show. But this this does set up a really interesting kind of finish for him and sort of what it means what's next for his career I, I, I look you're asking me to pick between the Eagles and the Cowboys right now I hate to say it because you talk about hatred I hate the Dallas Cowboys I think the Cowboys I have a feeling they're the Super Bowl representative I have a feeling they go. I, and, I, and I said it comes down to the Christmas Eve game because I do think if they beat the Eagles and overtake them so it had take it would have you got to they got to make up two games if they do that I think that uh, because I don't think Dallas goes to Philly in January and wins a playoff game there. It's freezing. Yeah. It's the fans are crazy. Yeah. I don't think that Dallas can go go into Philadelphia in January. Dome team from out in Texas going into Philly in January and winning. I don't see it. So that's why I said the Christmas Eve game, I think, is a big game. I think that to me, Dallas has to overtake Philly. 
for that for that division in order to win, in my opinion. If Philly holds on, I think Philly wins. So I right now with, with, with the Purdy injury and me not trusting the Vikings, it comes down to Philly or Dallas for me. And if the, that's why the Christmas Eve game, if Dallas can overtake them and not have to go to Philly in January, I there's no way I'm picking I, I would pick Dallas to win in in when it's Ten degrees outside. Yeah, there's just no way. There's just something about Philly. I mean, they're great. Obviously, they're elite. There's just something about that team that is. And maybe I'm just having like Cardinals flashbacks from last year when they were clearly the best team in the NFL for the first you know three months of the season, and they kind of fell apart at the end. Like, there's something about Philly. They're good. Are they really that good? Are they are they wire to wire good? No, I don't think anybody in the and, NFC and, and I, is. And that's and that's why I'm kind of looking for a pick that's a little off the grid, right? That's a little different. That's because I, I, I think you're right. I don't think anybody in the NFC is so good. Even the 11-1 and Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think anybody in the NFC is so good that you can just say they are the prohibitive favorite. They will not lose. They're going to get in. I, I think those teams tend to lose somewhere along the line, tend to stumble their toes somewhere along the line. And I think Dallas has the kind of roster, especially, did you see what OBJ said? He's not playing in a regular season. Doesn't see the point. Doesn't see any point in playing in the regular season. Now, would Dallas sign him even if he doesn't play in the regular season? Sure, why not? Would Dallas? I mean, Dallas has put out some weird vibes about OBJ. Like, they're not sure whether he's healthy enough to play and whether they'd want to sign him or not. I just, I think the Cowboys are that two-headed monster of Zeke and Tony Pollard is great. Their defense is good. Micah Parsons is an all-everything defender. He's great. He, defensively, they're really, really good. It pains me to say it to no end. I think Dallas ends up in the Super Bowl. You might be right. It might end up what happens I, on that if, Christmas Eve game. But. And I agree with you. If they beat the Eagles on Christmas Eve and overtake them and win the division. If they don't, I have coldest month in, in Philadelphia is January. They're not going to win in Philadelphia in January. Okay, here's your question. Okay. You have to root for somebody. Who do you root for in the NFC? Eagles. Well, Giants. The Giants. But if you're saying it comes out of Philly and Dallas, I'd root for the Eagles over Dallas. I mean, I would never see, like, I would probably root for the Eagles, too. I hate Dallas. Because I can't root for the 49ers. I can't, I hate Dallas. I can't root for Dallas. I ain't rooting for Patrick Peterson. I don't care how much money you pay me to do it. So what am I left with? Tom Brady? Not rooting for Tom Brady. Nope. Um, Eagles. The uh, I guess I'm rooting for the Eagles. I I, I guess I mean uh, well, you're, you're everybody rooting. else in the NFC. I don't want to root for you know like it's I no I don't want to root for your team. I, I, you don't you don't commanders the Seahawks, or Giants. The, the, I mean maybe the Commanders. Maybe you could twist my arm into the Commanders. No, I'm not a big Giants fan. Maybe the but the Eagles. The Eagles are it. Everybody else in the NFC. Nope. That's such an easy to figure out who it's easy to figure out who to refer. Well, no, I was just curious. Who do you, you hate say? more? I mean, as a sports fan, there's always teams you despise and hate. Who do you who do you hate more? I hate the Cowboys more. Okay, root for the other team. <laughs> hey, I don't like the Eagles. I don't it's, like the Cowboys. It's brutal when the team that you hate is the one you think is going to go to the Super Bowl. That's the, brutal. The Cardinals were in that division. Who did they hate the most? Cowboys, Eagles, at that time, the Washington team or the Giants? Who did it, they hate the most? It, it, it didn't. It was probably it didn't the Cowboys, matter. but it didn't matter because the Cardinals were never <laughs> good compared to those teams ever. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620. No, a season was not saved last night. An NFL career might have been. It's coming up. Burns and Gambo. 
Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Let's go! Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Second and ten. Mayfield to the end zone to Jefferson. Is that possible? Touchdown. This is impossible. They go 98 yards. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It was. It was it was the literal definition of unbelievable. I was like, what? You were down 16 to 3 in that game. Right. 16 to 3. The Raiders right? just the Raiders oh, choked. The Raiders are such choke artists. They're, they're, they're right. That's a dumb football team. Like God. that is a really dumb football the, team. The, Let the me knock the ball out of Baker penalty. Mayfield's yeah. hand and give a 15-yard oh, penalty. So dumb. Let me just do that. Let me just do that. Hey, you got the ball gonna knock it out of your hand. Yeah, 15 yards! You dope! You dope! Like you kill like, come on! I'd make that guy walk home. I would you listen, you're not getting on a plane. How am I getting on? You're walking. You're walking. You're walking. From Los Angeles to Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, get, you're not you're not coming on the team it. plane. That was prime video with the call uh last night, the unmistakable voice of Al Michaels with the call last and, night, Baker Mayfield. And it wasn't just that. How about the offsides on fourth and inches? Yes. Hey, I'm gonna jump offsides on fourth down. That's the game right there. Mm-hmm. They don't get that first down, and that game could be and we're gonna drop it back to pass, incomplete pass, game over. Like, game over. Game over, man. Game over, man. Game over. Well, second uh, reference to that movie, I believe, right? No, I referenced Predator earlier. Oh, Predator. You okay. just went aliens. I went there. alien. Yeah. Alien Predator. Didn't they fight each other? They did. They did. I have no idea who won. <laughs> they did. I don't either. Uh, there was a movie where Alien and Predator alien. fought Which each other. Which one are you rooting for, Gambo? Yeah, who are you rooting for between Alien and Predator? Sigourney Weaver, baby. <laughs> I'm <wasn't>. going Alien. <laughs> You're rooting for Alien? I'm going Alien. You see, I would take Sigourney oh, Weaver see, and Arnold, Newt. I'd Arnold, go for Newt. Arnold Schwarzenegger, greater than Sigourney Weaver, so I would definitely root for Those Predator. Those guys than... cheated. That You couldn't see them. You didn't know where they were. <laughs> Campos always, always got every. I would go for Sigourney Weaver. Always. Got so you got. So you got that right. And then so there was just so many plays in the game that really came down to them just blowing it. And so to me, when I watched that game, yeah, Baker's heroics. I mean, it's great touchdown pass to Van Jefferson. I mean, obviously, um, you know, you got to give him credit, and he was happy and excited, and good for him. You know, and maybe he showed the Rams something in that game. He didn't play great overall. No. Like it wasn't like great overall. But when they needed him, he. Still Stepped up and he drove them all the way down the field and he won them a football game. It's remarkable. I mean, you think about you think about the career of Baker Mayfield, right? Like if you're going big, big picture, Sean McVay was his seventh head coach. That's the seventh head coach he's played for in his career. Two of which were interim. All right, it's the third head coach he's but played he's only for. Been on three teams. Yeah, but it's like this year it was Matt Rule, Steve Wilkes, Sean McVay. So three just this year alone, okay. right? You count interim coaches. You count. I think the Browns made a coaching change while he was there. The, you know, systems always changing. The coach is always changing. He's changing. He's going to a different team or whatever. Now, look, I we don't know what's going to happen with that team and that organization with Matthew Stafford. Most believe he'll be back. You okay. mentioned yesterday that maybe, maybe he could retire. Some speculation that because it's a spinal cord type injury that he's dealing with, that maybe he would give some thought to retiring. I would think at the very least. Now, here's the big unanswerable question maybe about Baker Mayfield. Was last night 
starts and whatever he does the rest of the season, I suppose, enough for him to convince somebody that he can still be a starting quarterback in this league. Yes. It's, I mean, not last night, not alone, but the rest of the season. Sure. He's got an opportunity here. I would think, right? Like, I, I didn't think, and honestly, that's where I'm, I, I didn't think there was anything he could do to convince anybody to make him a starter. I thought those days were done for him. Last night kind of showed me, you know what? On second thought, maybe he's got enough juice left where okay. he could convince somebody to be a starter. We in talk this about league. this all the time. If you want to go tiers, I'm a big tier guy with quarterbacks. Split it up into thirds. Right? There's 10 or 11 good, really, really good quarterbacks in this league. There's 10 or 11 really mediocre quarterbacks in this league. They're, they're, they're average. And then there's 10 or 11 quarterbacks who just suck. Which category is Baker Mayfield in? Well, this year he's in the suck category. But is, is he? if there's 10 quarterbacks that are just god-awful... Can he play on one of those ten teams? Is he is he the worst of the worst, or is he the best of the worst? Up until last night, right? He was among the worst of the worst. He was terrible in Carolina. He was relying on his name and reputation only. Go his number. He was completing fifty six percent of his passes. Yeah, his his quarterback rating, his QBR, it was all awful, terrible, bad. So, I he definitely belonged in that suck category. He was definitely there. What he did last night, the numbers he put the numbers he put up last night, having only been in that system for two days, that's the of all like the stats and things to come out of last night's game, that might be the most remarkable for me. So so consider this, all right? Derek Carr, all season under Josh McDaniels. Last night he was eleven for twenty for 137 yards, two interceptions, and no touchdowns. Baker Mayfield had two days with the Rams. 22 of 35, 230, a touchdown, a quarterback rating of 91.4, right? Like it, Pittsburgh, look, look at the situation. Pittsburgh situation, a quarterback, Tennessee situation, Indianapolis situation, Houston Texans situation, a quarterback, um, the Commanders, the, know, the Lions, are they going to go with Stafford or not? You don't know. Atlanta, do they have a quarterback? We're going to find out with the Cincinnati Goff, kid. With, with Lions. The Lions, I said, did I say who you said I say? Stafford. Gofford, yeah, Gofford. Uh, uh, Jared just, Goff, just, Jared Goff, Gofford. <laughs> Somehow I turned Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford into Gofford. You got to go with Gofford. Oh, my God. You go with Gofford, you've got to change. Oh, got two quarterbacks oh there. The most, the most sure sign of all that it is a Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Gofford, you got to go with Gofford. You got to go with quarterback. Yes, it's a combination. No, Gofford's the guy. Yes, Goff, Gofford. Is it Jack yeah. or Merritt? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's Friday, man. I got exactly. two and a half hours to go here. So there are, there are situations, right? There are definitely four or five teams that, you know. Sure. That you could say, okay, is he good enough? to in Carolina, obviously, he's not going to go back to Carolina. What's New Orleans' situation like? like this, so you could look at five or six teams and say, could he be the quarterback if they don't get anybody? Yeah. Like if they, it's probably, he's better suited to be a backup quarterback, in my opinion. Probably. Probably. Uh, and, and But somebody's got to be king of the geeks. <laughs> right? It's, it's, a coveted, it's a coveted trophy. Everyone's, well, not everyone. Many people are gunning for it. Yeah, someone's got to be the worst, the best of the worst. Somebody's got to straddle the line between the suck category and the mediocre category when it comes to the quarterbacks. And depending on Baker season, he could definitely, depending on the day and the game, he could be in either category if he wanted to. It, it, it was it was fun to watch. I wasn't expecting to get a lot of entertainment out of that game, and for the most part, and what the weird thing about it, too, was he didn't start. Wolford no. did, but he yeah. only played one series. He was like, well, okay, Sean McVay, would you not eat your chunky soup? What, what, what are you doing there? I mean, if you're going to, if Baker's going to get all the snaps, just start Baker Mayfield. 
What did you throw? Did you put money down on John Walford to be the starting quarterback? Did you think you're going to confuse the Raiders? Uh, maybe, maybe the Raiders are a mess. Oh my god! Even had that pass into even had the interception that got overturned because they grabbed the guy's arm. Yeah, by the Rams. The Rams Mayfield had an interception, but it got overturned. Like they just stepped on they stepped on themselves so many times in that football game. It was a stupid football team. Yep, they did. Uh, but that's not even their worst loss of the season. I mean, their worst loss of the season got to be the Cardinals game, yeah, right? The Cardinals game, twenty nothing in the right, second half, right, and, they, right. and they blow that game the way they do. So yeah, that's a that's a dumb football team. And and is Josh that that will be one of the most interesting questions to follow in the off season as soon as we get to Black Friday? Is Josh McDaniels one and done with the Raiders? Like, you know Nathaniel Hackett is. He's one and done in, in Denver. I'm going to say no. I don't think he is either. But I, I think if I were a Vegas fan, I would want him to be. You know, like, I think if I were a fan of the Raiders, it'd be time for McDaniels to go. I don't think he's going to be either. But there will be a compelling argument to be made that he should be one and done. They've been terrible. Undisciplined, smart, or not smart with how they've played. But I think he'll be back. I think so, too. But I think in Denver, there's going to be a coaching change. Like you. Oh, yes. Texas, your thoughts. The fan deal. Sorry, Mitch. Or maybe congratulations, Mitch. There's going to be a coaching change in Denver. You should be very happy about that. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line. You can text us at 620-620. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Phoenix Suns in the French Quarter tonight taking on the New Orleans Pelicans, a team that gave them all they could handle last year in the postseason and is now in first in the Western Conference. We will preview that matchup next on the Burns. Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Flagship home of the Phoenix Suns. We're tonight at 630. It'll be the Suns and the New Orleans Pelicans. The Suns were the first place team in the West. Pelicans were second. They flip-flopped over the course of this week. And, of course, this is the first of back-to-back matchups between the Suns and the Pelicans. And, actually, there's a third in about nine days as well. And joining us right now to talk a little Pelicans basketball, given how well they have played so far to start the season, he is the reporter who covers the Pelicans for ESPN. He's Andrew Lopez, and he joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Andrew, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you for your time. Hey, thank me. Thank you guys for uh, for having me. Especially, you know, uh, a big early season matchup. We don't we don't get too many of these. Uh, it feels like too often uh, down here, but uh, definitely got one tonight. Yeah, a lot of people talking about this is one of the biggest regular season games in a while in New Orleans with the first and second place yeah. teams in the West playing each other. But let me ask you this, Andrew. You know, they did play each other once this year, but that Pelicans team that pushed the Suns last year, that pushed them and won two games against them in a hard Fourth series outside of Zion, which we all know about. What do you think is the biggest difference between that team last year and the team this year? You know, it's hard not to just also still say Zion, but uh, because he's playing at a completely different level than I think we've seen him in the past, especially on the defensive end. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with Larry Nance as kind of one of the big difference makers at here. center. Uh, yeah, Larry Nance was playing really probably 18 to 20 minutes in the playoffs. Um, probably got more time there, but he had only had nine regular season games with New Orleans because he had surgery to kind of repair his meniscus. So even when he was in the playoffs, he was kind of getting some of his first time run with some of those guys, right? So it, it was a, a, a tougher get for him at that point. He got healthy over the offseason. He has allowed them to 
switch on defense so much more than what they did uh, a year ago. And I think in that it's it's almost I think they were at like twenty two percent. Now they're closer to forty um, in certain situations. Thirty eight, I think it was. They they're they're just switching a lot more, especially when he's on the court. I know for sure it's like. 41 or 42% when Nance is on the court compared to 18 when JV is on the court. Um, you guys remember it as well as I do. When they did play last year, that was a, a, a spot when JV was in. You know, Phoenix attacked him over and over and over again in the pick and roll. Uh, and I think now if teams do that, he, there is a an option. I've seen games this year where Nance has played 32 minutes and JV has played 16. Uh, they feel comfortable going to Larry in extended time, uh, and that has helped. Obviously, you you know I, a lot of it still is Z yeah. uh, being back in there. But uh, and then your friend Jose Alvarado, everybody's you know Phoenix's favorite oh, yeah. player, Jose, oh, oh, Jose yes. Alvarado, oh, yeah. uh, has also stepped it up on the on the offensive end this year. Just had a thirty eight point game a couple of games ago. He's actually questionable for tonight with a rib contusion, so we'll see if he goes. But um, I think the play of those two off the bench has been. Uh, been key so far this year. All right, let's talk about Zion. Let, let's you know. Let, let's kind of steer, go right into that and have that conversation. It's, it's yeah. offensively, obviously, he's a force of nature with that with that ability, with that physical stature that he's got. Defensively, there was always a question about his commitment to that. And I was reading your story this morning on ESPN.com, and it would certainly appear that the Pelicans are getting the most out of him defensively that they possibly could ask at this point. Would you agree with that? One hundred percent, and I want to say it's it, it, it didn't even start off that way. I still think he was trying to find himself early in the season, but we're, we were talking to Nance the other day, and we're just kind of asking what what's the biggest difference? And it's he said it's a care, it's a want to on that side, and specifically in the story you mentioned on ESPN, uh, he talks about Zion buying in on that end of the floor, and you've seen it, you've seen the effort, you've seen Z turn it up. On that side of the floor, the 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 steals are up, the blocks are up. Um, you know, he's getting it. Seems like he's getting a chase down block a game at this point uh, right now. His his activity is up on that end. It's fueling his offense, and he has just been a more all around player. Remember when he came out of Duke? Originally, they were there were people who talked about him as both. You know, he was this generational offensive and defensive talent. He was supposed to be the game changer on both sides. Um, you know, at one point, I think he was referred to as Draymond Green with rockets up. It's, you know what? Right? That's what he was supposed to be on that side of the floor. And we never got to see that because of the injury. And I think you're starting to see those defensive instincts. Um, you know, he's not going to be able to sit down and, and, and guard, you know, shifty guards one-on-one uh, for, for many positions in a row. But – for what they are asking him to do and putting him in some switchable lineups, he's able to hold his own, and that's why they've been able to kind of take off the way they have. Well, there's just nobody in the league like him. That athleticism, <laughs> and that 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 combination of size and strength. You don't, you just don't see anybody like that. No, I mean he's listed what six six two eighty two eighty five. I mean he's he's basically JJ Watt. I mean that's what he is. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he's moving around like. Not J.J. Watts. Like, he's moving around uh, like a guard out here. We've seen, I've seen him fly. I was watching some uh, – somebody had some, some, a clip of him throwing down dunks earlier, and there was, uh, there was one against Toronto, and I just – he double clutches and, like, flies around. You're like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, you're, you remember why. Like, what he can do on that side of the floor and the fact that he's using that athleticism 
and that care on the other side of the floor now uh, is, is why the Pelicans are in this race for first in the, in, the, in the first place. Look, we see similarities. The Suns got to the bubble a couple of years ago, and uh, uh, they had a great run in the bubble. They didn't lose a game. Yeah. They almost got into the playing game, and the year later, they're in the NBA Finals. How much do you think just the taste of being in six playoff games, winning a game in Phoenix, winning a game in New Orleans, being tied 2-2, the experience and, and being in games like that, how much of a factor is that in the Pelicans' surge this season? I'm going to go back to your first question. Uh, talk about the difference makers. It, from this year to last year, it's basically the same team. Trey Murphy is probably the best example of, of that, of what you're talking about here, um, in terms of how much that run helped him. Uh, he had a, a couple of good games against Phoenix, but he was, he was really the reason they were able to come back from that double-digit deficit against the Clippers to make it to that series. And Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, all rookies last year, all played huge minutes in that series against Phoenix. And I, I think as a whole, that series helped them. And then, oh, by the way, you know, when your head coach was a part of that Phoenix team sure. that went to the bubble and went to the NBA Finals the next year, it kind of helps where he can you can draw on that. Um, not only the fact that he's, you know, uh, a, a 12, 13-year NBA veteran in Willie Green, but he just went through what you're trying to do right now. Take a team who, uh, you know, not many people thought highly of and immediately get into a championship picture not too long after. You know, they can lean on what he saw. And he's, he's kind of mentioned it. Obviously, it's easy to try to draw those parallels, but I, I think what he has seen so far is – uh, you, you lean on him, and it's, it's easy to make that comparison. Last one, uh, and I think the Pel- they're trying to build on that. Last one for Andrew Lopez, ESPN Pelicans reporter uh, there in New Orleans. This has been the most excited that city has been about Pelicans basketball since dot 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 when Ooh, uh, for for an extended period of time. That's a good question because you go back the the, the seventeen eighteen season. When they sweep the Blazers in the playoffs, there was a lot of excitement then, but you don't re-sign Boogie because of the ACL, I mean, because of the Achilles, and things kind of get derailed. Uh, 14-15, the end of that season, you know, you you win games late to make the playoffs, led by Monty Williams, and then you fire Monty Williams, you bring in Alvin Gentry, and then injuries never let you reach your potential there. Um, it, it's been a while for sustained success, so... Again, to kind of tie it back to Phoenix, I might have to go back to the last time they were first place this late in the season. you got to go all the way back to April 11, 2008, when a young Chris Paul was leading the Hornets to the two-seed in the Western Conference. Wow. That's probably the last time it was sustained like this. Oh, by the way, I think Chris might have got robbed of a MVP yeah. that year, but well, that's we, a story for another day. Are we going to hear a Where's Jay Crowder chant instead of a blank Jay Crowder chant tonight at the arena? Uh, Where's if, Jay if, Crowder? I, they may do that. They, they. I will tell you what. 
You give you give New Orleans an extra thirty minutes on a Friday night, and I don't, I don't know what they're going to come up with. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm worried about a basketball team playing two games in the French Quarter and having an, a, a stay there in between those games, right? Like I, I make sure some kind of lockdown in the hotel, you know, so there's not too much going say, on on that I, Saturday. I would right? worry about it. Where's I would Jake worry about Crowder? it if it wasn't for Monty and Chris Paul. They know, <laughs> okay. and I think during the playoffs, Chris Paul locked them down. Yeah. So I think Chris Chris is going to know. Hey. Everybody in, 11 o'clock, 12, let's go. We're not, we're not playing these games, especially with an early tip on Sunday. Andrew, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us on a Friday, especially <laughs> so close to the game. Thank you for the info. Thank you. You got it. Andrew Lopez joining Where's us. Jay Crowder. New Orleans Pelicans reporter from ESPN, our guest here. Yeah, I've heard of the, the Vegas flu. I've heard of the Scottsdale flu. There's a New Orleans flu. Make sure make sure that Saturday night is spent in the hotel, Phoenix, please, with two games there. When we come back, a lot going on in the world of sports you need to know about. We'll catch you up on everything. Four o'clock reset is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.